I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We are two landscape designers that have been in the field for well over 25 years. At least 100 years, I'd say. Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, through this podcast, Digging Deep, we're going to bring to our knowledge and our challenges. Our foibles and stories. Lots of good stories, hopefully. Um, Anything that can create a usable, functional, wonderful environment for you and your family. And anything that can help your life a little bit better. Make it a little bit better. Well, what we're going to talk about today is, um, well, making it comfortable for you and your family, which means right now staying indoors, at least if you're in uh, Northern California or, gosh, I don't know, there's fires burning everywhere, but um, we have multiple fires and even down to the ocean, we're bathed in smoke, which is really unhealthy. And so we... As everybody knows, California is an extreme in an extreme drought, it, and uh, we don't know how long it's going to last. And Michael and I want to address just some of the things you can do as far as landscaping goes and um, working with the environment right now. Right, right. Um, and because of it, I mean, a lot of you might be saying, what are we talking about landscaping? Those of you that are in Northern California, I don't even want to go out in my yard. And that's true. It's, it's, um, because of the smoke, because it's unhealthy, because of the ash, because of the soot, but there are certain things that you can do and that can also help your plants and can help you, um, while we wait it out and hope for a wind change or, you know, the fires to go away. I know. Well, generally, you know, I was thinking about what happened back in the day when, of course, California has always had dry summers and there's always been thunderstorms and there's always been fires. What happened? And I thought, you know, to put the fires out, I thought, you know, everything just burned until we got into the fall when it would rain. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But but one of the things that has changed a lot is, um, where there's been more population and the people have moved in. And I was reading an article and they were talking about a lot, a lot of the development has happened in the Wooies, which is the wilderness um, um, uh, areas where they should never have been building. And so what happened is in the past, when you would have, um, you know, lightning strikes and fires, um, yes, it would burn uh, woodland. Yes, it would burn trees, but it wouldn't burn any structures because people didn't build within the wooies. And now they're they're just packed with um, structures and houses and cabins and things like that. And right now, that's one of the things um, up near Tahoe, a lot of the, the woodland area, there's a bunch of cabins that are they're worried are going to burn down because, again, they're built in a wooded area. Yes, and there are other areas like um, not too not too far up the hill above Placerville in um, uh, out of Sacramento, and above Placerville there's Pollock Pines, Camino. These places have been evacuated, and you know for years. I mean, this is the gold rush country. For years, people have been settling in these places, but with this kind of um, drought that we've been in, we had very little rain last winter. And then by now, what rain we did have, some weeds grew, and now it's just been completely dry. So um, you want to make sure, I mean, really take in everything right now about the environment you live in and, and how you can help with your landscape. And one of the things you can do is clear cut. 
you can keep, uh, in fact, this is not only something that you're going to think about doing, but um, you have to do. You have to do because insurance companies are now starting to threaten to not give uh, fire insurance to homeowners um, if they don't have certain regulations, i.e., um, one of my clients is up in Sutter Creek, and that's up in the hills, and um, they had a, a really hard time getting insurance. And when they finally found an insurance company that would give them fire insurance, they said, no trees. I don't care what they are. No trees can be closer than 30 feet from the house. Um, small, um, anything along the house, the perimeter of the house can't be any higher than 24 inches. You need a, um, a break. Um, i.e. whether it be um, a ground cover or something very, very low to the ground um, so that the fire doesn't doesn't get close to the structure. And they were talking about what you do want to plant and what you don't want to plant. And they're starting to give you lists of trees and shrubs and also make it very apparent that as you're planning your landscape, um, what you can and can't do. And the, the problem is, is that uh, people that aren't following this will lose their uh, fire insurance. And then if their structure burns down, they're literally um, up the creek without a paddle. Yeah, I call it shit out of luck. You call it up the yeah. creek. Well, yeah. I, have, I have two properties I'm working on right now. One is a community area for a co-housing, um, you, you know, many, several units. And another is someone's um, backyard way up in Rockland. And both of these places have a level ground and then it drops off a, a large slope that goes down. One goes to a nature area, which is all dry, and another to someone else's um, property. And both of them have dry weeds. And a lot of people say, oh, a slope, maybe we'll terrace it. Well, first of all, the cost of terracing a slope that's 30 to 50 feet down and um, not quite a 45 degree angle, but, you know, pretty angled. I wouldn't bother unless that's all you have. But what I'm doing is having both areas cleared of all weeds, putting down a weed barrier, then putting down a rope jute, which is for slopes, and then cobbling it. No greenery, nothing. That way you're not using water on plants and you have 30 to 50 feet of a fire break before, you know, if there were a fire out in the, um, you know, the open nature nature area behind these, um, there's nothing to burn. Right. I mean, and and that makes a very effective fire break. I mean, it's it's things that where people always imagined and including myself was, oh, my God, wouldn't it be wonderful living up in a forest or living up in the hillsides, there's a place in Yolo County, and, and it's actually going out of Yolo County into Solano County, and it's um, winters and up in the hills, and it's absolutely beautiful. The views are great. You have you can you can see the mountains and and the buttes. The problem is is that again, it's it's in an oak area, and people built homes last year. Um, a good majority of the homes burned down. And this year, you can be driving around there and you can see all of the damage um, ha that has been caused by the fires. And the problem is, is that the, the weeds are coming back and people aren't clearing it. And even some of the trees um, are, you know, they haven't cut down all of the old trees that are burned. And so those are still available for burning. And um, it's scary. I mean, all it takes is a lightning strike and that whole area goes up in smoke. That's right. I just went to the Bay Area and I went the back way through Lake Berryessa, which is just recovering because the year before last, it burned as well. So we're in our fourth year 
of fire in the summer here in uh, Northern California, actually Southern California burned last year too, Malibu. So it's really time to think about doing, doing things differently and not just, um, not just planting, you know, like Michael said, um, away from the house, but also using cobble borders and planting, believe it or not, a lot of succulents, cacti, aloe. Um, there's a picture in a book, uh, what's it called? It's called Designing with Succulents. I'm trying to look for the book right now. Anyway, she showed, um, Deborah, who wrote the book, um, showed a house that went through the fires and it was all planted with succulents and agaves and the house didn't burn because when the fire hit those, those are full of water. Right, right. So, I mean, and and if you are going to do some of the ice plant, the problem, again, what what's a little bit scary about that is, is that the fluctuations in the weather. Um, it's great if we have the hot summers, which we do. It's great if, if um, the winters are relatively mild. Problem is, and there's a couple of homes in Sacramento that I've seen happen, is that they did all of their front yard, and it's beautiful, in cactus and um, succulents. And then what happened was we had a couple of winters where the temperature dropped below 30 degrees, and a lot of those just they froze, they turned to mush. And it's one of the things that you have to be aware of. I mean, in a milder climate, um, like the Bay Area, where you don't get the heavy frost, that would be a really wonderful suggestion because temperatures usually never go below 30, um, if they even get to 30. Whereas in Sacramento or the Central Valley, we'll, there will be, um, there'll be weeks where we'll get down to 20 degrees. And unless you're covering them with some sort of fabric to, to uh, keep the heat in there, they're gonna, they're gonna absolutely um, freeze and then they'll, they'll die. Well, it's also knowing your plants because um, there are, I had to once remotely, I worked remotely, had to do a design for someone that lived around um, uh, um, 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 Yosemite mm -hmm. and they wanted all cactus. And I said, you know, you're going to have to send me a list of which kind of cactus you feel that's going to live in your area. And they did. So, you know, the Arizona snows. Um, there are places where the, the cactus and, and the succulents grow that can take that. We've been, the planet has been warming each year. I read one degree. And I know um, for us in Sacramento, plants that I would never recommend before because they'd freeze, you know, like this, a lot of the palms, you know, the queen palms. Right, right. Bougainvillea. Um, we're not getting that cold anymore. And these plants that um, I, I grow, Tibicina, which is a princess flower, um, it's staying evergreen. It is an evergreen, but it was more deciduous here because we got the cold, but it's staying. And, and so it's thriving. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I love the look of Bougainvillea because first of all, for those of you that don't know, um, the color comes from bracts. It's not actually, it's a leaf and it's called the brack. And that's those bright reds or um, orange. It also comes in a pink and a purple. Um, and the thing that's really interesting is the hotter it gets, the more it flowers. It loves, it thrives in heat. In the in the desert, um, when I went into Mexico in the Baja Peninsula, the bougainvillea was just growing wild. Uh, the problem is, is that, as Roberta said earlier, it freezes. Well, I wanted to try some in my own yard, and so I went to the local, you know, the the like the Home Depot, and they had a sale on some one-gallon bougainvillea, and they were like $2.50, because I thought, if I'm going to try them, I'm not going to invest a lot of money, and I bought a bunch of one-gallons, planted them, and let me tell you, they are thriving. They are 
fence height. They are blooming like crazy. They are giving so much color. And last winter, you know, we, we had a mild winter. They didn't even die back. No, they didn't but die back. And um, you should know, though, uh, bougainvillea can be a beast. I mean, when it gets, oh, yeah. it gets going and it has barbs. So, uh, you know, it's funny how these beautiful plants like roses and bougainvillea and some of the berberis um, are also so hard to touch because the, the barbs. But, um, but anyway, knowing your plants is, is really, really important. I read today somebody had posted um, on social media that live close to these areas. We have El Dorado uh, National Forest burning, and um, we also have the Dixie Fire that's not close to us, but we're getting the smoke. But what's happening is a lot of the animals are running and forced out of the forest, and they're obviously they're they're going down into the more populated areas where there is no fire. So this posting said, make sure you keep your cats and small dogs in the house, and also put out buckets of water because these animals need them. But in any case, do not shoot them. These are coyotes, deer bobcats, even bear. Just be safe, stay indoors, but they're looking for water. So um, I thought, you know, I hadn't thought of that. We, I mean, I live in an urban area, so we're not going to have, thank God, any beer, uh, bear around or, <laughs> or um, bobcats because I have house cats anyway. So that's something to be aware Absolutely. of. Absolutely. And where we live, there are, you can hear the coyotes, there's possum, there's raccoons, there's coyotes, and um, our, our cat is very smart, um, does not go near the backyard where there's a wildlife area, only stays in the front yard, which is really, it's more suburban, but you're right, you have to, and the one thing that you need to be aware of, not to say to waste water, but a lot of the plants are really suffering from all of the ash. Right. Not only do you have smoke, but you have ash. And a lot of the plants are suffering because the pores on the plants are being clogged up by the ash. So sometimes it's, it, it would be very valuable. Not a lot of it, but even if you just rinse off your plants or spray them down, so at least they're not completely covered in ash. And it's, it's really, really pathetic um, outdoor furniture. You know, you, you go to sit in it and it's, you sit down and it's just covered in um, a lot of ash and debris. Have you heard my, tiro, uh, my tirade about um, white cushions and outdoor furniture? <laughs> I think I think you might have heard it. But you see these yes. magazines, this beautiful furniture, and they all have white cushions. Well, you know what? They would be a mess right They'd now. They'd be gray, yes, yes. My no, it's, it's something that, you all, that we all have to be aware of. And, um, you know, once a, it used to be once in a while this would happen. But this has been like the fourth year in a row. And so it's something that we're learning to live with. And, and it's like what do you do? But you, you know, and, and I've always been accused. I love plants, but I use a lot of hardscape walks, decks, patios, um, things, you know, paving, um, mainly because it's, it's functional. You can use it. You can put a patio on, you know, tables and chairs and everything. But I will tell you, it makes for a nice fire break because if you have a big expanse of patio, you're not worried about, um, a bunch of, um, a travertine patio doesn't burn. It doesn't burn. You know, there's a flip side of every, of everything. Having a lot of um, hardscape, concrete, um, pavers, whatnot, it doesn't burn. However, when we're up into the 110s, it's not very cool either. So having overhangs, um, these, this right. is important, really important. Having overhangs, let's say you do live in a fire, um, an area that's vulnerable to fire. Instead of, usually you'd plant shade trees um, to, to mitigate the heat. 
And of course, it takes many years for them to get shady enough. But in uh, there's so many wonderful non-wood overhangs that um, that are relatively inexpensive if you're going to compare it to um, steel or or uh, wood. But an o- non-wood overhang, whatever your budget, you could get them solid with skylights. You could put up ceiling fans and create shade for yourself and also create shade for your animals, too. Well, and the other nice thing about it is um, if you don't want to build something, um, especially in the fall and the winter, um, umbrellas go on sale. And a lot of people say, well, I don't want to schlep around those big, heavy duty um, uh, bases, which are hard to move around. You can, if you plan for it, you can actually sink sleeves into the concrete, into your pavestone, and um, then you just drop the umbrella into it. And this way, the umbrella doesn't tip over, blow over, because the sleeves are nice and deep. And the one thing that's really nice about that is I had a client who has a lot of problems with melanoma, um, you know, skin cancer, and they love to swim, but they they can't afford to put an overhead, even shade sails completely over the pool because the pool is massive. So what we suggested to them, and it turned out great, was along the perimeter of the patio, we actually sunk these big sleeves um, into the, the uh, paving, and then they bought a series of 12-foot umbrellas and that that were square and the neat thing about it is they turn so when they're swimming they just turn the umbrella and it cantilevers over the pool uh, and it's on both sides so you get a span of about 24 feet but and the pool is about 15 feet wide so you get shade on the pool when you when you need it when you don't need it you just swivel the umbrella and now 12 feet goes onto the patio so it's great and then in the wind and when the wind comes up you just um, close down the umbrella and they don't fall over and you don't have to schlep all these big bases. So, I mean, that's a really way to, to, to solve many problems and also keep it cost effective. Right. Plus you could buy really pretty umbrellas <laughs> because it's, that's color to the yard. And, um, the same sleeves that Michael's talking about, they're kind of like vertical pipes that go down into the ground. And it's the same, concept when you put in a pool if you want to have an invisible fence that's what it's called it's a child protective fence and um it's it's a mesh it's very strong but let's say you know when the kids get older and you don't need it they pop out again from these holes in the concrete and there's actually plugs so it looks like you know it just looks like concrete so it's the same concept that exactly exactly so i mean there are things that that and that is nice because again in areas where you can't have trees really close to the house. And I'm a big proponent. I love overhead structures, mainly because they're great in terms of lighting. You can downlight them, you can put fans in them, you can put heaters in them, and it's a great idea. But if your budget doesn't allow for that, or you can't do the whole area, um, that's where the idea of, of the shade sails, or especially the umbrellas. And as I said, if you wait till the end of the season, where you go into the winter, all these things go 50, 70% off. So you can get some really amazing deals buying your buying um, accessories, especially in the winter time. Yeah, it's a great time to do it. And um, if you're a DIYer and you're artistic, you could buy these umbrellas, these light color ones, and hand paint the umbrellas to look like flowers, leaves. I mean, there's some beautiful um, designs that I've seen people do. So you know, I think that's a great idea. I mean, you probably could even um, tie dye them. <laughs> yeah, you could. Yeah, 
I have a front-loading washer now. I used to have a top-loading, which I really miss because I used to be able to dye things in my in my washer. Now I have to use a bucket, and if you have a lot of um, fabric, it doesn't work so well. So, um, yeah, so you could get creative, you know, you know, from overhangs to um, umbrellas and also using rock and cobble is very important. If you can't afford a lot of paving, and paving is the higher end of any landscape, any any hardscape, we're talking about concrete, pavers, retaining walls, that's hardscape. But um, using cobble streams and whatnot, um, that's on the lower end, and that's very doable. You could even keep, let's say, a foot of smaller cobble all along your house and then border it and then have your plants on the other side. And that's doing two things. It's, it's keeping it clear. So if you do need to wash your windows, the plants aren't up against it. And the other, um, the other thing is you're keeping moisture away from the house in the winter because you're not having sprays or drips right next to the house. Which is a great idea. And the other thing is, which artistically is if you order, um, you go to a rock yard and order what's called a dry creek bed mix. And that's a mixture of sizes. So it's not all the same size. You mix right. in the large ones, the medium ones, the small ones. That's the whole thing is it's very important that you when you're doing, um, if you're trying to create a natural look, you go back to looking at pictures of creeks and streams. And, and right now, because everything's dried up, dry creek beds. And you'll also notice that there are some big boulders around. And what's interesting is people say, well, where do you know, where do you put the big boulders? How do you know where to put them? Well, in nature, water starts coursing through an area and kind of, um, digs digs through the 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 dirt and moves around some of the rock but if it runs into a big boulder and it's not a, enough of water to move the boulder it'll actually hit the boulder and then change direction so if you're trying to create this very natural meandering look you use the boulder to change the direction and that's so you'd put one there and then you'd change the direction of your dry creek bed and then put another boulder in there sometimes if your if your dry creek bed is wide you might put a boulder in the center a smaller one where the water so it looks like the water went on either side of it and again these are things that you would see if you go hiking and you can actually look out in the wilderness or the wild and see this is what mother nature does and that's what you want to do take pictures of it and emulate it because that's the best form of um, artistic expression is is imitation of nature and that's the secret to doing a really natural dry creek bed that's right and by the way you could plant in the middle of your um, dry creek bed as well just move the rock around if you have I, I like to use lomandra grasses and some grasses because that's what happens. Wherever there's water and the cobble stream is imitating water, there's usually some growth. Also, instead of, you know, you could have a boulder where the water goes around, but that boulder can also have a little island planted where the cobble goes around. So, See, I like that. That's a really cool idea. And then it's not just straight rock, rock, rock. Yeah. It, it's bro and that's beautiful. I mean, that's a beautiful look. It is a beautiful look. Well, we hope we gave you some ideas, and I know it's hard times right now um, for so many people that are evacuated or live close or just, um, I don't know, the thousands of us that are living under this um, veil of smoke and the plants and our animals. But um, keep on keeping and do what you can to mitigate, you know, for your the heat and the smoke with your plants. And um, don't worry about watering your lawns. The lawns right. don't need water. They'll die, but they'll come back. But do water the trees and your the trees. Shop. 
and the shrubs absolutely yeah. yeah well i'm roberta walker and i'm michael glassman and, and we are digging deep thanks for joining us <laughs>